Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Bad Language. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I'm the podcast producer here from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and there's going to be plenty of bad language when you're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their 35 to 13 suck fest, and that's what it was against the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field the day before Halloween. Trick or treat. They tried some tricks, got very little treats, but it was spooky and scary and oh, just absolutely dreadful. As the losing streak in Philadelphia goes to 10 games and 57 years. And lo and behold, the next time they play each other, you don't wait four years, my friends. And it's not going to be back in Pittsburgh. You're going to wait two years and it's going to be in Philadelphia because this game was the result of the change to the 17-week schedule in the National Football League. They were both second-place teams last year, and that is why it was scheduled this way. Now, you're not going to – they're probably not going to be both second-place teams next year as the Eagles are still undefeated, so the Steelers are not undefeated, and – probably not going to see each other play next year so with that being said let's get to some bad language all right what did we expect in this game we expected a lot of people expected the Steelers to lose this game because you were going up against a 6-0 team and the Steelers have struggled at 2-5 Steelers are going into a bye week and the Eagles had two weeks to prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers and obviously they did so look The Philadelphia Eagles are a really good football team. There is no denying that whatsoever. But they don't have the look of a 17-0 team to me. And usually when you lose these games, when you lose that first game after going like 6-0, 7-0, even when the Steelers went 11-0 in 2020, nobody expected them to lose to Washington. You expect a bad team to come up and shock you. Because you expect it to be one of those, well, you know, playing down to the competition. Eagles did not play down to the competition this week. But the Steelers had some opportunities in this game. It was 7-7 at the close of the first quarter. So, you know, that's something to look at and think, wow, who knows what could have happened. But the very first thing you got to look at to see where they were outclassed in this game and where it was going to go wrong was simply this. Minka Fitzpatrick catches that football. This might be a different ball game. Do the Steelers win? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if Minka goes ahead and is able to high point that football, I thought it was going to be intercepted the way it looked. It looked like that's the ball that Minka gets. Minka did not have a good game. I don't know many guys that had a good game. Maybe Jalen Warren, maybe Nick Skiba, who was playing his first game in the National Football League after a stellar career in college, which I did not know that. I didn't know he was great. One of the greatest of all time at Wake Forest. I had no clue. All I know is Boz wasn't out there. Skiba didn't hurt you. That's great. In fact, if it wasn't for Skiba, that game might have been a lot more out of hand. It might have looked more like that Buffalo game. Still doesn't look that good. 35 to 13 doesn't look good. But all I'm saying is that, yeah, that was a rough game 
all around. When the Steelers were down 7 nothing, and they drove down the field, and they went to bring Skiba in, and they got a really dumb penalty. That was a stupid penalty from Philadelphia for trying to call out, call out the snap count. That was just ridiculous, if you ask me. That is cockiness. That's just bad form. They tried that. It didn't work. And it ended up being a Steelers touchdown. And I, uh, I was really hoping that went back to haunt Philadelphia. But here's the problem. You got a break. And then you scored on a gadget play. Look, I don't have a problem. Gadget plays are fine. But what the problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers is right now is they are not getting a lot of closing plays from their quarterback. Can he pick it right now? They're, if you have to resort to trickery and you can't get into the end zone any other way, hey, you're still going to take it. You're going to take that trickery all day. But bad, they still scored. I get it. But the problem is, is you want to go out there and take it from them, not trick it from them. So that's your trick in the trick or treat. There was your one and only full-size Snickers bar. That's it. That was the only one. But the Steelers had a lot of opportunities. You can look at everything here. I'm I'm not going to say that this was a winnable game. There were parts when I thought it could have been a winnable game that they could have kept this game close. They could have even stolen the game. But Philadelphia was on point. And Philadelphia did not look like a team, like I said, that was playing down their competition. They were in it to win it. And they did win that game. But you want to see progress from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're not seeing that. Kenny, I not going to deny what I've always said. I think Kenny Pickett is going to be the future of this Pittsburgh Steelers team, a positive future, but bad. I mean, it could be a bad future if he still plays like this and he's got small hands in that. Now, come on, stop. All I'm saying is right now, I'm not convinced that Kenny is as perfect as I thought he was last week. They need to put this guy in position to be able to close out drives. That's where the scapegoating comes in. You've got to figure out where you want to point your finger. Obviously, you're going to point fingers at everybody. You're going to find that one scapegoat that you want to want to go ahead and pin it on. I will say this. My number one scapegoat is usually Matt Canada. Did Matt Canada call a bad football game? No. He did not call a bad game this week. I thought the execution on the field was worse than the play calling. Last week, I thought the the play calling was actually worse than the execution. I'm all over the place this year. I, I actually don't even know where to land sometimes. But I'm going to say this. You need more out of some players on that field and you are not getting it. Where do I grade the offensive line? I'm grading the offensive line terribly. I know that's a fantastic defensive line. Javon Hargrave would have loved to have kept that guy, but it was hard to, in hindsight, you know, it's a, that's the guy you should have kept, but it seemed like where that team was trending and everything that Bud Dupree was the play that they had to make that year. And they had no choice not to. 
and they franchised Bud, and they had they had to pay him. Didn't work out, but that was a decision that was made. Javon Hargrave is absolutely tremendous. I, wow. I hope he's a pro bowler for, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if I'm going to root for anybody on the Eagles, it's Hargrave. Absolutely. But the offensive line, yo, did they, did they make a lot of holes? No. They made some. I mean, the Steelers did score not score, excuse me. They did gain 144 yards on the ground. That's a good thing. But the running game's not getting going. And it's the offensive line that needs to open holes. But it's Najee Harris that needs to get through the holes. And he's not decisive. The one guy that is decisive, that's not playing as much, but he's averaging 70 yards per carry, at least on this day, was Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren has some excitement and speed. Am I calling for him to start? I'm actually trending that way. Maybe that's one of the things that you need to mix up right now. Because Najee's not getting it done. And I would have fought you on Najee for the first, I don't know how many weeks of the season until now. But it was a third and three. And he had all the room in the world. And all he had to do after he caught that pass was go straight forward. And he got gang tackled because he hesitated and shifted his feet, was not decisive where he was going. Najee is the kind of player that just put your head down and just crush him. Be the bus. Channel the bus in that instance. And he didn't. Did it kill them? No. It did not kill them because they got it on fourth down. And you can say, but bad. This team and that, they're four for four when it comes to fourth downs in this game. That's pretty good. Fourth down is a big thing. If you've got a fourth down offense, that's 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 awesome. I get it. I definitely get that. But here's the problem. You don't want to keep failing on third down. They were one for 11, I think, on third down. They were terrible on third down. That's not where you want to be. Right now, this is an offense that is not schemed well. I thought it was schemed better today. It's not performing well. There's no communication. There's no continuity as far as there's not good communication between the quarterback either and Deontay Johnson. I'll tell you that. Everyone talks about, hey, trade Chase Claypool on that. I don't want to trade Chase Claypool. I want to trade Deontay Johnson right now. And the reason I, I want to trade Deontay is, one, because, man, I was on his bandwagon. He seems like the guy that is more of a problem than we thought. His communication, I mean, he had a lot of plays, even with Ben Roethlisberger, when you're like, why isn't he getting open more? We're now finding out that Ben Roethlisberger made Deontay Johnson a better player. With Mitch, there was problems. With Pickett, there's problems. And we found it out last week in that Miami game with Deontay Johnson. Man, just just bad all the way around. Fryermuth and Chase Claypool, four stars. If I had more thumbs, I would say more thumbs up. I really, I really think that. How are they? What are they doing with George Pickens? 
even George Pickens, I mean, a lot of people, I, that was a bad call. If they do, Jave Schofield brought up the fact that if they challenge that, that they might not get it. And I don't, I think he's right. I don't think they would have gotten that play, but that there were some bad calls there, but George Pickens needs to do more. But what, what is he not doing right? Is he just going out on go routes? Like Dave said, or is it, is it the fact that he's not open? They definitely, they have two of the best corners in the league and they were scheming to stop him. That's why you have to be versatile and go to your other guys. This was not Pickens day, but somebody else should have got 150 yards receiving, and they did it. Only seven targets going to Pat Fryermuth, not enough. And one was a bad throw that ended up getting tipped and became an interception. So there's a lot of blame to go around. You pick who you want to scapegoat. There's people that are going to still say, oh, Tomlin needs fired in that bad. I mean, why do you keep everybody is accusing a lot of us here at BTSC of just, you know, kissing Mike Tomlin's butt. We're going to tell you when he's bad, but you get mad at us when you say they're not going to fire him. Somebody, I said that and somebody said, well, um, you're citing precedent that they never did before, but they have to bad take bad. I'm like, well, that's fine. You're going to believe what you want to believe. And I have no problem with that. But the problem right here is the fact that whether you think Mike Tomlin needs to go or not, they are not going to do it. So you could call for it until you're blue in the face. It's not going to happen. I could ask a supermodel out 17 times a day. The only thing I'm going to get is a restraining order. That's it. Because you know what? If she's not going to do it, she's not going to go out with me. She's not going to go out with me. This is, if she's like, I have a policy. I don't go out with podcasters. Or fat guys at 50. Maybe that's what her policy is. That's fine. But all I'm saying to you is, you want to call it and you want me to admit that he needs to be fired? I'm not going to admit it. You've made your mind out. I know where I'm looking. I want my Canada to probably be addressed first. But the problem is, I don't think they're going to do that either. That's where I would like to see him go. But when you look at this game, um, I have friends that that texted me and said, hey, this is poor coaching. The execution on the field was not good either. So really, this is a collective scapegoat. Everybody was bad. Nobody was good enough. You look at Jeff Hartman's winners and losers, not much on the winners list. Jalen Warren's there, but nobody else. And the reason being, they were outclassed in this game. And until they reach deep inside and try to elevate their game without scapegoating others, then there's going to be a problem. Deontay Johnson, I'm off his bandwagon. And the reason I am is because he said a couple of weeks ago, hey, you can criticize me all you want. You're still going to be watching. That's not taking any ownership. Now, Najee Harris pointed some fingers and said that we all need to take ownership of this. I like that. I like that he's doing it. I thought he ran hard. 
but he did not run decisive, and that's my problem. But at least Najee has heart. So go ahead, point the finger, call for everybody's job, but we don't have the ability to fire. The only people we have the ability to fire with and control the controllable is decide what we do in our lives. Decide who we pay attention to. Decide what podcast to download. Decide what football teams to watch. Decide who to get your information from. All of that. That's the only decisions that we have. I hope you're sticking with BehindTheStoleCurtain.com because we are going to be sticking with the Pittsburgh Steelers until they get out of this rut. And then we're going to stick with them even more. We're not stopping. And diehard fans don't stop either. So that's not a problem. But if you want a scapegoat, you can go all the way to the top with the Roonies. You can go to Mike Tomlin. You could go to Matt Canada. You can go with a certain player on offense, a certain player on defense. You can go back. You can take him out of retirement and yell at Mr. Kevin Colbert. But the bottom line to the whole thing is you're not going to get a change just by pointing fingers. And we can't control the change. Too bad we couldn't control the controllable because that's what the Steelers need to do. But we've got to keep on keeping on and watching if we choose to watch. And if you do, look for the bright spots to hang on to. And then you can say, bad, I told you so. I told you that Kenny Pickett was going to be good. You just needed to have some faith in that. I told you, bad, that they should have just drafted that offensive lineman, and they did in 2023 in the first round. I told you Kenny wasn't the answer, or Kenny was the answer. You know, that's fine. But scapegoating is tough when you don't have the ability to change it. That's the problem with scapegoating. But collectively, are you happy where the Pittsburgh Steelers are? No. Do you have the faith that they're going to change it? Or you have the hope that it's going to get changed for the better? We've seen a lot of that change over the years for the good and not the bad. That's the one thing about not having a losing season since 2003. You've seen a lot of good things among the bad. Now you're going through that tough time when you're when you're flying first class and now you're in the cheese line. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now. But they're going to get out of that cheese line and it's caviar once again. It's going to happen. Just trust me. Let's talk about being accountable. We are going to do that here like we do every single week. Look at our picks. Look at the over-under. Look at everything we do. Even look at my ridiculous, bold, and bar bizarre predictions. And we are going to do that right after this on the show. You know what it is. It's bad language from behind the steel curtain. Done. <laughs> The worst man you've ever seen. There I am on the subway train. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to Bad Language. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Oh, lots of bad language flying around today on the show, but make sure you check out 
BTSC for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. There's still a lot of them. There's still a lot of questions to be answered as the Steelers go into the bye week. You know, the good news is the fact that TJ Watt is coming back. The bad news is what is TJ Watt coming back to? Yeah, things are not looking good in the Steel City, but find that silver lining wherever you want to. And as we talked about earlier in the show, find your scapegoat wherever you want to, to whatever makes you feel good. But I know that we do need to keep on keeping on and coming back. And as we love these Steelers, this is what happens. So, you know, this is the the bad year that a lot of people were thinking about. And I want to address something. A lot of people are saying, hey, I told you. I told you, you don't want Ben to go. Well, it's just the circle of football life. He had to go. I mean, it was time. So this is the redo. This is the starting over that a lot of people dreaded. A lot of people predicted. I was wrong. I was one to say that, hey, they might be able to reload. They might be able to do it on the fly, but they did not have the players around Kenny Pickett to be able to do that, to support them like the 2014 was able to support Ben Roethlisberger way back when. But with that being said, that's why predictions go wrong. And talking about predictions, let's talk about some prediction accountability. That is the most important thing here. You know, a lot of us are right. A lot of us are wrong when we go ahead and make these predictions. So let's take a look at it. Jeff Hartman had the Steelers 27-26. I did the same thing. We were wrong. Dave Schofield had the Eagles 23-13, to had them covering. KT Smith went with the Steelers 24-23. He was at that debacle yesterday. I actually feel bad for him for that. Jeffrey Benedict 16-6 to in favor of the Eagles. Big Bro Sco, I, I'll say Big Bro Sco was probably closer than anybody with 31 to 17 Eagles, but then you get Shannon White's pick, 34 17 Eagles. That's a pretty good pick there. You know, with the final score being 35 to 13, you would have th- you would have thought that he would be the winner this week. But that might go to Jerry Jeremy Betts who had 33 to 16. Bradley Locker had 37, 19. Kyle Kreiss had 16 to 13 in overtime. And Tony Defio had 30 to 13. So a lot of our guys were right on really close. You listen to them before you listen to me. If I'm going to have to pick a winner this week, I would probably say, well, Tony Defio had the Steelers pick right, but he was off by five points. So he's one of our winners this week. Winners for the Steelers being losers. Jerry Betts, I'll give him props for Eagles 33, being two off on the score and three off with the Steelers. So that's almost a tie in my eyes with Tony Defio. Then Shannon White with the Eagles 34. He was one off the Eagles pick and four off with the Steelers. So they were all off a collective five points. So the winners this week, Shannon White, Jeremy Betts and Tony Defio, they came the closest in different ways. This isn't the prices right. It's not about going over, staying under, that kind of thing. Let's talk about my bold and bizarre predictions. You know these aren't right. <laughs> you definitely know that. Come on now. So I had the Steelers in their attempt to beat Philly for the first time in 57 years. They tried to coax Dick Hoke out of retirement because he was 
the leading ground and air, I guess through the ground and the air. He was the leader in the, on that 1965 team. He refused to come out of retirement at age 82. Maybe it would have been better. We would have all been better off if Dick Hook would have come out of retirement. That would have been great. I had Art Rooney, too, making a bet with Jeff Lurie. They could have for that de facto Pennsylvania State Championship. Winner gets bragging rights, a year supply of the sandwich of their people. Well, it looks like, my gosh, it looks like Jeffrey Lurie is getting a year supply of Permani sandwiches. With Kansas City in a bye, Bougie Smith-Schuster, he comes down dressed as the great pumpkin. The Philly crowd throws stuff to him. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's throw stuff at him. You know, they like to throw stuff at Santa Claus. Do they even do that anymore? I, I think they're a little more civilized in the length than they were at Veteran Stadium. Veteran Stadium was like hell on earth. It was like escape from L.A., escape from New York. It was escape from Veteran Stadium. Uh, Mitch Trubisky doing his chugging thing this week. That joke is getting old, but I keep going back to it. He chugged a Geno's. He chugged a Pat's cheesesteak. None of it was good. I want. I have yet to try either one of those, and I'm dying to, so that would be great. So here's where, where I get into uh, the stats and more of the bold, not the bizarre. Pickett goes 28 for 40 and 267, intercepted twice. Only intercepted once, but he had that other turnover, that strip sack. He throws for two touchdowns, runs for one. Nope, he... Uh, he threw for two. He threw for one. Excuse me. Actually, he threw for none. That touchdown pass, that wasn't his. So no touchdown passes on the day for Kenny P. That's that's not good. Pat Fryermuth catches 11 balls. He did not. I believe he cut seven, if I'm not mistaken, to celebrate the touchdown on Henry Winkler. You know, the Fonz, his 77th birthday, he would have jumped the shark. He had a baby shark costume. Somebody in a baby shark costume come in. Eh, didn't work. That those jokes work better when they win. Steelers get called for a legal man downfield twice. Eh, only once. Not bad. Najee gains 59 yards on the ground and 10 as a receiver. No, did not have a good day. He was in the 30s. Offensive line continues their improvement. Kenny sacked twice. Kenny was sacked like six times. The offensive line kind of took a little bit of a step back today albeit against one of the best defensive lines in the league, one of the best defenses in the league. Steelers get one sack. No, they got three. Isaiah Loudermilk did not get one of them. I predicted he would. Cam Sutton, Arthur Mullett picking off Jalen Hurts. But the Steelers surrender two touchdown passes. Now they surrendered a lot more than that. How about four? No picks. You got to get those picks. Man, if Minka could have just gotten that pick on the first touchdown pass could have been a different story not altogether but a different story maybe we'll never know Steelers rushing defense plays staunch for a third week in a row I don't think they played poorly not too bad but just not enough Steelers get three touchdowns on the day no they don't two field goals from Nick Skiba Nick Skiba yeah they actually got that the only thing I'm gonna get right is my field goals here Picking the Steelers to beat the Eagles 27-26. to 26. Yeah, I'm wrong. Just completely wrong. But where do I stand 
with my buddies on the Steelers preview. That's the big thing. We've been doing this week after week after week and every week. And gosh, we're close. We are so close in the standings. Dave and Jeff, upon further review, we had to adjust Dave's to give him an extra point, which it was fair. He earned that extra point. They lead with 26. I have 25 in our over under. Where do we stand right now after this week's game? Well, I am going to tell you. How about that? How about those apples? Here we go. Let's take a look at it. The line was set at 274 and a half for Kenny Pickett passing yards. And Jeff Hartman sets all these lines. I took the under. In fact, we all took the under. And yes, the under with 191. So we all get a point there. Turnovers. I took the under. I did not think the Steelers were going to commit turnovers as much as they did. And they really did. They they didn't do too poorly. They had a late interception by Kenny Pickett and that strip sack. That was it. They only had two, but the line was one and a half. Dave, the only one to take the over. Dave gets the point. Kenny Pickett rushing yards, 22 and a half. We all took the over and he had 35, 35 on the ground. Not too bad. Pickens receiving yards. George Pickens had zero. They went to him. Things went wrong. There's one that could have been overturned. I don't think it would have been overturned, but it was a catch. But they still, like Dave Schofield said, they probably weren't going to overturn it. 64 and a half. Well, zero. That means that the ones that took the under, Brian and Jeff, we were right. Dave took the over. Deontay Johnson, 10 and a half targets. I took the under, Dave took the under, and Jeff took the over. And so we go ahead and get a point there because he had only had nine. Steelers first half points. Dave and I took the under, Jeff took the over. We get the points. So the spread, we were all picking the Steelers to cover in different ways. We were all wrong on that. So if you go ahead and look at it, five, five, and three for Brian, Dave, and Jeff. What is that as a total, though? That means that Jeff Hartman now has 29 points. We've got a new leader. It's not me. It's Dave Schofield at 31. And I'm at 30. So Jeff goes down to last place now. Holy gee. So it is now Dave 31, Brian 30, and Jeff 29. That can change every single week. Jeff was the leader for the longest time. So we're going to see what happens as there you go. There's our standings from the preview. Check out the preview every Thursday night here on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And check out BTSC for all your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. I'm flabbergasted. The Steelers lose... I need a bye week. I hate the bye week because I want the Steelers to play next week, even though things aren't going well. But let's all take the bye week. Let's all refresh. And as always, let's go Steelers. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been bad language. And I know I should, but I ain't apologizing for nothing.